Hello, listener, and welcome to a very unusual episode of the Cartoncast. Uh, my name is Zane. And I am Ben. And normally we look at old animated shows and uh, see what we think of them as adults, but we're taking a bit of a left turn uh, with our scrambled segment. We've done this a couple times before where we look at not quite traditional animation styles. So we've looked at puppets, we've looked at machinima, and today we are looking at a very special animated sprite comic, Kid Rad. Yes. Sidebar, uh, that intro is terrible. I'm going to keep doing it from now on. Second note, <laughs> um, you may recall us here uh, us saying that uh, we, uh, we're going to do a bootleg segment every five episodes. Today is our 25th episode, or 25th, like, uh, you know, multiple of 25, so we do a scrambled segment, but we're also going to break down this webcomic, which is very plot-heavy, in terms of a, uh, in, like, a movie-like approach. So we're going to go from the beginning and go as far as we can, um, developing our themes along the way in, in classic bootlegged style. Yeah, this particular story is hard, hard to do justice unless you're going through the whole plot, and going through the whole plot... You know, we might as well do it the way we would do a movie. Yeah, and I think I think you, uh, I think it's it's just necessary for something like this. There are like a, there there are elements of comedy that you could say overall are common through the series, but you really just don't get what I love about the series without going through the actual plot and narrative structure and all, all like the weird existentialism that I didn't <laughs> think was going to be in this when I started reading it for it the first surprising. time. It was surprising. It's also. Um, it's also worth going in depth because this is a very unique use of animation in that I haven't really seen it done anywhere else. Right. So uh, I guess uh, I guess let's just start talking about the property and we can get to it, get to like little intricacies when we get to it. Yeah. So so Kid Rad is an animated sprite comic made by Dan Miller uh, from 2002 to 2004, back when sprite comics were really big. Um, so this is, you know, made by one guy really, you know, so it can be a singular vision. Uh, and he came up with a series of ideas when he was working a temp job at a tech company, sketched them out on his lunch break. Like, I love this sort of independent spirit, do the entire thing yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you're, you're, you're looking at a board game right now that you're doing Zane. Like, so <laughs> this must be like near and dear to your heart in more ways than one now. Yeah. And I also like that the first thing he came up with was the, uh microsoft office assistant like sequence that he puts in oh yeah um, sure like a comic about one of them and <laughs> then a comic about a chat room avatar and then finally he settled on um kid red a video game character from a a not real video game taking the look of a character from the nes game totally rad made him look kind of like a lego man and just slapped kid rad on there he's yeah. like let's make a video game comic about video games that don't exist so yeah and this is not like a uh, a novel thing at the time uh for those of you who weren't kind of in this era of everyone's just kind of waking up to the internet and realizing that they could showcase creative talents um without really any startup costs just put them out on like a wordpress or a blog or anything for people to see you know just buy yeah. a domain name and go at it these sprite comics were pretty you know dime a dozen back in the day uh, a few prominent ones uh, seem to clip my memory. Bob and George, which was like a... We've talked about it before on the Mega Man episode. We, we have. Yeah. It's like a... It, and, and what it does is it borrows sprites, you know, like pre-rendered um, 8-bit or 16-bit or 32-bit models, 
you're generally 16 or 8-bit, and uh, recontextualizes them into an original story. So this is like if you could illustrate fan fiction is kind of what is kind of what sprite <laughs> For people comics without did. artistic ability yes <laughs> which which i can totally relate to being somebody who stopped at stick figures it's like yeah what um, dimensions but, but... no too too rich for my blood but the thing that separates this is that uh the creator dan miller only had dial-up internet at the time and the comics that he liked to read took a long time to load and so he came up with this way he explains it on his website but he, he came up with a way for it to load faster and that would allow for animation. And my basic understanding is basically he, he took each little chunk and put it into an Excel sheet and <laughs> and had like internal links connecting each thing. And for some reason, it made it the it made it load pretty much instantaneously. Yeah. So so coming from two people who know nothing about web design, this is going to be a little hard to talk about. But uh, he was vexed by large loading times in some animated sprite comics. Apparently more than just this one existed. I didn't look into any of them. I'm not familiar with any. Um, so what he would do is an HTML based sort of uh, sort of thing, sort of animation, um, kind of like an even more building block version of flash animation. <laughs> and and what we got was, you know, you have the little sprites and you have them in different positions. And you, this is exact this definition textbook definition of limited animation. You you know staple them next to each other and oh, it looks like he's running. It started out with very simple animations and it very he like this is over a two year period that he sculpted this story and it started out more gag humor and video game reference kind of comedy. Yeah. As did his artistic skills, his uh, animation skills using this HTML um, was pretty yeah, you limited. Change a character's, you change a character's face with like a single pixel. Exactly, yeah. It, it's normal to surprised. Right, the eyes look a different direction. Is like uh, being sarcastic now. Like very, very simple things to do. Um, but given that it's a comic strip format, uh, I... It it didn't bother me. It was a me. neat little perk, but it wasn't different. It wasn't different. Then, after a while, it became very different. Like, we had, yeah, like, these long incredible fight 3D sequence. fight sequences. Yeah, these long fight sequences, like, weird, like, zooming techniques and, like, uh, like rotations of the camera. I'm like, how did you do that in HTML precisely? <laughs> and, like, you can see he really became kind of a, kind of a specialist at this, uh, this technique that he had, had cultivated. Which is like it's still great to me because I believe at the time he like took on a job as manager at an ice cream shop. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. And and by the way, um, for those of you who want to read it, we'll we'll put a link in the in the yeah below the below the title the below the description of this episode. Um, but if you go on Google and just type in Kid Rad, there are a few links, some of them defunct, one of which should work. But just to get it out of the way. Um, the original site has gone down because of some terms for AT&T that got changed that he wasn't able to keep up the site. And in fact, all sites now are kind of fan sites that, uh, manage to keep all the comics together and, um, put them up somewhere online. Yeah. However, this, yeah, there are a couple problems with this. Uh, one being that the HTML didn't get crossed over quite right. And a lot of the action sequences start a little bit late in the in the it can cycle. be a little glitchy it's a bit glitchy sometimes you'll be you'll see like a blank panel and a thought bubble and it's like what happened exactly oh they fell down a thing but we didn't actually see the falling down a thing 
and it uh, yeah, it's so I, less of a big deal later on, but it, it I, can't I hurt. think what happened is um, each issue had all the animations start when you started the issue rather than when you got to that panel. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you click forward fast, you can see most of it. Um, that's the other thing about this. They, in order to, you know, so that you didn't have to watch multiple animations at once or, you know, look through, you know, you know, see something ahead of time and it spoils it for you. It, you see a single panel at a time and yeah. click forward. And you have full control over it. You can go backwards. You can jump around. It's it's the best parts of a, you know, reading a comic book, a, a graphic novel or something, is that you're going at your own pace. And rather than This you're... is basically the thing that Tom Hanks described in Big. <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah, it is kind <laughs> of a little bit. <laughs> Except that you don't, like, have branching arrows, which would actually be really cool. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Like control them, <laughs> um, but yeah. So uh, it, uh, uh, I'm I'm getting kind of ahead of myself because I'm very excited to talk about this, and there's so much yeah. to to say just this about one of those, the process. This is one of those unique ones where I would say if if you have any interest at all, go read it first because we're basically just going to go point by point. So let's let's and say it this, is more effective going through it, and also it's pretty short. Let's also let's say this right now, actually. But before we go any farther with the technique and stuff, let me just say this: um, this is your spoiler warning. And it sounds silly because Sprite comic. How much plot could it have? Do you don't you don't even know? You have we didn't have any idea. No, I, I don't even remember when I first came across this, and probably showed it to you because everything that you know of you got from me, kid. Um, mm-hmm. But this universe that uh, Dan Miller has crafted, it, it's it's weird to say that it's like a work of art because of how shit it looks. <laughs> like I mean, not shit, but like very low tech. <laughs> Yeah, it, it looks like one in a million when you like look at it. It looks like the first strip of any yeah. sprite comic at the time. There's nothing special here. I think I think we must have noticed it around 2005 because the whole thing was done, but it was still early enough that I also struggled with the fact that everything else took forever to load. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that that could be. This is back in the days where if you wanted to watch an episode of Homestar Runner. I, I would go down to the computer with a stack of comics, click on it, wait for it to load while reading one, <laughs> and then watch it. Yeah, the the, the whole dial up thing was uh was was kind dark of dark times. Yeah, that that's a curse of the past. That that's like polio now. Like we're just we've we've progressed beyond it as a society. Kids today, like you try to explain it to them, and they just like <laughs> it, it would be so incongruous with the way things are now. Yeah, and that made a difference at the time, but like, I don't want to make it seem like this is just sort of a um, a novelty and that it could load so fast because of HTML. Like, it's also very, very good. And yeah. let me get through my spoiler thing. Um, if you have any love for either abstractified, like philosophical kind of a kind of talking uh, conversations for 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 characters to have, like if you ever read like. Um, uh, XKCD, and you're like, this is really cool. I wouldn't want more fleshed out characters. I wouldn't want like 3D models with like char- photorealistic faces. I want it like this. You should check this out. And if you have any love for old style um, platformers from like the 1980s and just want to kind of drink yeah. in some of that nostalgia, you should check this out. Yeah, and there's there's actually a lot of value in experiencing it the way it was made, um, because it one one of the major themes, and we can start talking about these, is the comic 
reads the way a video game plays in a lot of neat diegetic ways. It does. Um, I want to, I want to, I want to harp a little bit on the, um, the, the 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 fact that we're kind of reading comic strips, you know. Um, so, and what what you said is true that we are kind of taking on the role of the player. We get to go uh-huh. forward. We get to press the button physically to make the next thing happen. And that's not inconsequential to like my enjoyment of this. Like being able <laughs> to control the pace at which I experience this is actually kind of kind of novel in this weird way. It, like I've always liked comic part strips. Of comics. I've always liked comic strips, but having one bit of it presented to me at a time is um, it is very helpful in getting me to follow Dan's like pace. Uh, yeah. Um. So I, I do also want to say that uh, I did try to locate uh, Dan Miller, and he is nowhere to be found. I did manage to email somebody who put up a uh, fan website, but they're just like, "Yeah, nobody knows who he or no, nobody knows where he is." It seems like he created this and then just dropped off the face of the earth, <laughs> which is a shame because I, I would and love surely to... nobody heard of him beforehand. So he's really just kind of like. Yeah, he's this mythical figure. Uh, almost, like, like yeah, he this descended unicorn. from the heavens and brought us this. He brought us fire, and then like my home planet needs me, and just disappeared. Yeah. So, um, speaking of Dan, the story by and large is a celebration of what made Dan's childhood cool. I, I assume it, it's hard mm-hmm. to tell, but it that does definitely seem like it. Throughout the story, you're going to get references to various different video game genres, and kind of his interest in this idea of um, emergent personality and can we fight our own programming that we're not we're not going to shut up about um, right and the way the things that he was interested in uh, hit me at the exact right time like um, I was you know interested in video game culture and the different kinds of video games that I hadn't experienced yet. And I was a philosophical, uh, wangsty teen when I when I was reading. <laughs> like I was just one of those awful kids. So like this was a listener. Perfect... I know this is a stretch for you to imagine. <laughs> it was just it was a perfect place for me to marinate. You know. Yeah. Like here's everything I want, all delivered in this same very abstract package. Like they're they're sprites, but the abstraction does something for it. It lets me. Um, just drink in the the point, the bullet point of the philosophy that he's conveying. This and, thing, and I, it's not I convoluted with real life, you know, getting in the way. And I don't think it's just that you and I were particularly receptive to it, because I mean, it's a hard sell to try and get anyone to approach this piece of media, because like you know, it's not always in the same place online, and it, you know, the user interface is, is not always great, right? Um, but every person who I've told about it who has gone and checked it out has been thoroughly impressed and like it hits them the same way that it's it's hit you and me. Yeah, and I, I know that a few I everybody I kind of knew would be receptive to this has kind of like put it off like this is my favorite webcomic. Guys, if you just Okay, one more plea to the audience. <laughs> if you like webcomics, you should read this. It's really cool. It's a cool, it's a cool presentation. It's cool medium, and there's actually a lot of content behind it, and yeah. that's that's all I'm gonna, that's all I'm yeah, going. We'll, we'll we'll try not to just heap praise on it, but there's a lot here. Yes, yeah, um, I'm gonna be having a hard time not just talking sugar for a while. Couple couple other details. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not 
really anything to speak about in terms of the audio, except um, there's some MIDI music, like 8-bit, you know. Going through it again, uh, I found that suspiciously absent. Did you find a site that actually did use it? Um, I... Like, I remember it. I, mm-hmm. I actually had the sound off during those, like, fourth wall breaking comics sure. where they would do some techno remixes. Yeah. Um, but the ending sequence has <laughs> uh, a really cool music that's, like, supposed to be from the rad game. And I found a YouTube um, YouTube video that had imagined music from the series. Mm-hmm. So I'll be cutting that in a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's so good. It's like if somebody created this game like a la shovel knight and put a bunch of shovel knight music in. like it's it seems like it could have been a shovel knight to be honest yeah. like it, a shovel knight mega man that sort of vein yeah definitely and this is of course kid rad the the titular game that rad is from is an old school platformer so you do have most of the game nostalgia coming from that specifically and also you know in terms of the audio that's pretty much what you get right if, when we do get to the ending sequence, we're going to talk about that ending sequence music. But other than that, we're really not going to say anything about music because it wasn't there. Yeah. And I think that's and something that this could have benefited from. Like if this was reimagined, um, I would love to have like sound effects and things like that added to it. I just don't really know how it would be possible. Yes. And um, you know, the first what? half of now that I think about it, one other kind of animated sprite comic thing. Uh, uh-huh. Secret of Mana Theater. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. I forgot about that. Yeah, so that was a that was a thing that was up for a while. I don't think it is anymore, unfortunately. And it was not nearly as clever as this is, but it was kind of it was interesting was to unique. see someone's take on the story and the the characters therein. Yeah, but this is so much better. <laughs> but that one yeah. did have you know um, sound effects and the like, and I think that did that did something for it. That was you know it was additive. Yeah. And we have these segments so infrequently that we're within our rights to to pick a home run. Yeah, that as well. Although I will say that I went in trying to unbias myself and try to look for cracks. And one of the big ones was there's no music. It it did irk me after a while that I wasn't listening to There's also very little animation in the first half. Um, We'll call it out when something cool happens. But for the most part, it's a couple of gifts where they move left or right or whatever. There's There's a moment at... Um, about the halfway point that they stop doing kind of looped animation and do like full scenes. Yeah, and there's a little next arrow that tells you, okay, you you, you can don't go to, wait around for anything. Yeah, it's where yeah you don't need to wait for a stinger. Yeah, that that's a nice that's a nice. Nick little, Fury's uh, not going to show up. You can just keep moving. <laughs> oh man, if he did though, dude, what the fuck? How how would he even be portrayed? <laughs> I don't even. Okay, I w- I will like to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative and like. <laughs> Oh, a few years. <laughs> <laughs> let's get started, Zane. Yeah, let's get into the plot. Uh, well, we should actually probably set up the major themes of the plot first, because we're going to be coming back to them. So it might be a good idea to uh, familiarize ourselves with the things that we're going to be talking about. Okay, yeah. Um, I guess the the one that hits early on is uh, they make a lot of one-off jokes about, oh, you know, video game logic is weird, but every mechanical point that they go through ends up becoming a plot point later yeah little things that you don't think are going to be uh relevant are are recalled later as huge sticking points that if you had thought about it at the time you probably would have just been like video game logic like you as a person who's yeah. encountered video games is like no need to explain this yeah but, then but we're later set in a universe where a... you it, that is like fundamental rules <laughs> Yeah, you come to see them as a consequence and and the actions that occur 
come naturally out of those functions yeah you know in the most vague way i could describe it yeah no i i mean i think i get what you mean and it'll become more obvious later the way that that mirrors a video game is that in, in a good video game like a mega man that this is sort of styled after they will teach you something about the game in a safe sort of benign context and then introduce it again later when the stakes are raised and that happens beautifully here yeah um this is that like jump and shoot oh you learn to jump you learn to shoot you learn to jump and shoot you learn to jump and shoot while a bunch of guys are coming at you and then there's falling platforms yeah li- link to ego raptors mega man video it's really I good mean, like 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 i hate to be you know tired youtuber but like i mean that's that's actually pretty close to the mark <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. And so related to that, related to the idea of getting used to dealing with the rules of your reality, we have this idea of fighting fate um, more, you know, spoken in more uh, concrete terms and related to these characters. The sprites that we're working with, the characters that we're working with quite literally have a base programming. Yes. And when they mature, which is to say when they step outside their original game and meet you know, the world composed of all these different sprites, they are forced to recontextualize their individual natures in order to survive. Because a lot of these games you're, you're going to see, and it's going to be a, a big deal, is that they are, like, fundamentally very violent. And, yeah. <laughs> and there, there's not really a society that you can make from the things in these games. Like, if you go to, like, Double Dragon or something like that, you got Billy Lee's. Like, what exactly does he do in a society? What can he do... Just in terms of his vocabulary, he can move around and punch shit. Yeah, that and that that just like he can be a soldier and nothing else. Like what else? And once you once you accept that premise, the rest flows pretty logically. And, yeah. and there's some spoilers in the second half that explain like, well, what do you think happened? That's what happened. Yeah, yeah, and it's actually really clean. But uh, there's and this idea of them needing to recontextualize their programming with what they're faced with is something that each character deals with individually like in a kind of different way but also with the same same building blocks it's like they have these individual natures and they're trying to overcome them or understand them in the context of their new reality and every character finds their own balance of well i i enjoy my programming you know i was designed to um to what degree am i going to still follow that given this new context and for some it's a lot and for some it's much less yeah, and uh, but but it is always a point that they it is always something that they point out, and you know it's very easy to analogize the fact that they were given this 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 programming this inner nature from their creators, the humans who made the games, in the same way. How can we kind of overcome our individual um, shortcomings, given that we were created by these gods who made us in a certain way? Right, and there are a lot of analogies. There's a lot of analogies played between the characters and the humans, and the humans and sort of this old conception of gods, like in the manner of Greek gods. Like there's a seer Mm -hmm. who can who can talk to them and communicate with them. Yeah, that's that's true. Like it's this is in many ways the classic like Greek hero's journey hero's tragedy sort of thing especially so because we see that the gods are so incredibly flawed based on the byproducts that they that they produce and they're flawed and they like don't care they're they yeah they they don't respond they are not personal gods they're like just they're manic like megalomaniacal power over you but they have no conception of you 
And the, the problem that a lot of the characters face, and this is, we're getting very philosophical, but it's super important to me, so I'm going to keep going anyway. Um, <laughs> the problem that a lot of these characters face is, okay, I was created by things that kill for pleasure, that are like interested in winning at all costs, and that's a game to them. That is for, that they do that for fun. How can <laughs> I possibly be something better when my creators were so obviously like violent assholes? Yeah. Um, yeah, and and this is, yeah. The, it, the, there's also an analogy to kind of personally, can I overcome my own programming? And also, when they create this greater society, they're like, can I overcome the confines of my game to work with others? Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of all I have to say about the uh, about the major themes in the game. So we're going to be talking about like this um, this idea of fighting your programming, and also about there's emergent morality beyond yeah. the confines that you were based in. Like when you mature and to see other people, how do how does your how do your uh, instincts react? Yeah, and these themes are explored, you know, in many different ways. And it's like a 600 issue comic. All of these themes are set up and foreshadowed really well in the first 50 or so. Yeah, and so like I mean, obviously it doesn't like say what they're gonna do early on, but it's it quickly becomes kind of a dissection of these ideas. So if you're going into it, and like hopefully you'll, you're past the spoiler wall already, um, if you're going into this, don't expect that they're going to hate you with this all at once. Like they bleed it in slowly and then get, you know, and then it reaches fruition um, much later on. Side note, my friend recently said that he thought that the word was fruitition because there was fruit in it and it was like bearing fruit. And I'm like, well, yes, but no, but no. <laughs> fruition. That would just be fruition. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, fruition already has the word fruit. You just, it does, it's not obvious. Rawr. All right. So before we get started uh, with the plot, um, I think I should mention that this is going to work a little differently. Uh, upon revisiting this comic, I realized that it's very long. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, I don't think of that standard movie kind of plot structure, you know, just go through the plot and, and explain what it happens and how it reflects on the characters, etc. I don't think that's going to work for one episode. So Zane and I have decided to split this into a two-parter, an unprecedented Carton cast double feature. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> all right <laughs> moving on uh so uh, for those who actually do know the comic we will be uh we will be reviewing the plot up to when the gang meets what is known as the seer yeah um and for those who don't know what we're talking about you'll see soon enough there's a seer there's a seer and, and there's a gang a, there's a gang they meet yeah <laughs> finn <laughs> spoilers <laughs> So we start in the fictional video game of Kid Rad, uh, which came out in 1987 and was made by Sosumi Corp. Um, Wasn't it like, I thought it was like a like a Squaresoft ripoff or something like that. No, no, no. I, I went through, this is great. So they have this fake title screen yeah, it's for co- every it's video game Konami, to go into. Right? It's It's kind of, yeah. It's like a Konami spoof? Uh, I'll, I'll point them out each time they come up. Okay. Sounds um, good. And we see the title character, who is 80s as, as all get out. <laughs> yep. 
And uh, we're introduced to this, uh, the video game nature of things. It's a standard 2D platformer where Rad is controlled by the player. Right. And uh, as we start off, Dan is, and I'm going to try to say Dan instead of they, my I think that's just my that's just my inflection at this yeah, point. Is I think fair. they, but it's just Dan. It's just the one guy. Dan starts off very self-aware, even self-deprecating approach to exploring this bygone era of video games. Yeah, it's like, hey, why does this happen? It it just does whatever. Yeah, and he's also like kind of making fun of his own humor, like like the very first strip. He's like, this is rad and all around cool guy. And and then it goes into narratives like by cool, we mean by 1980s standards. And we have this adorable little like, like this great, um, this great little animation sprite of him doing air guitar. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he's so endearing right off the bat. We're, we're, we're meant to love this character. <laughs> like, yeah. And and also it's like a very good spoiler, like a good a good gate for like are you gonna enjoy this or not <laughs> like if, yeah. if you can get past this first one and you're like that was pretty good you're gonna enjoy the rest yeah and, and the next few set up how he works within the game which sets up his personality it prepares us for subversions later it's um you know i don't know if he was planning on making it as big a thing as it became this early on but he set things up very well yeah like you don't realize how deep it's gonna be at this point you know, um, it strikes me when I'm when I was rereading this over when I was rereading the first few things. Uh, I, I wonder, like, I wonder if it had been produced today, if it actually would have been more successful. Because like, not too many people know about this. And rereading it right from the beginning, I'm just like, this is what nostalgia cred is these days. Yeah. Like, I feel like if people knew about this, that it would take off like wildfire. Man, is it, it? It is our solemn responsibility to spread this as far as it will go. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, considering how much of, like, a Marvel resurgence there is, like, there's mm-hmm. enough of a market here. And even if you're not into the nostalgia, it does a good job of of explaining, you know, what a video game protagonist is supposed to be. How he interacts with other sprites, how he moves, how he takes damage. Yeah, um, like, the, the idea that he just has a girlfriend but has no conception of her. Like, yeah. This is... Like, Rad is a newborn, effectively. Yeah, this is that video game logic is weird stuff that becomes vital plot points later. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love this one moment when they introduce uh, Rad's girlfriend, because he doesn't know who she is. He, he doesn't even know why he's doing it. He's just doing because that's how he's programmed to function. Yeah. And there's an extremely fun... At least, I thought it was extremely funny when the narrator is like... Um, when it's like the the point of this game is for Rad to rescue his babular girlfriend Sheena. No, I think it's babetacular. I think it's just babular. <laughs> well, we'll agree to disagree. Yeah, it's it's fine either way. It's just more of the ability to laugh at himself. Uh, and then uh, babular you know, is in I, quotes. I wrote that sentence down, and I was reading it when you, you were talking about how philosophically deep this guy is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, so that's the other thing about this game, which you'll see more if you if you actually read it. We're going to be talking about plot points. Plot points are kind of seriously toned sometimes. This comic remains funny in this way straight up through the end. Mm-hmm. Maybe with a brief pause at the very end because there's just nowhere to inject the humor. But, like, it, it's very funny for, like, the vast majority of this comic. Uh, I gotta ask you, when you read Rad, uh, what, like, voice does he have in your head? Because <sighs> um, he's an 80s stereotype character, but that feels a little superficial. I don't think I ever gave him a voice, to be honest. Like, in comics, I like I feel like uh, everybody 
hasn't people talk about comic characters as though they have this internal voice i never give them a voice really at least i don't hear one in my head like it's just i, I guess they all sound like me <laughs> i didn't hear him as me or no. you were like anything i i guess i thought him sort of like as an older bart simpson as opposed to like cowabunga era yeah i guess that that's sort of true yeah i don't know but that, that 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 that's probably as close as you're gonna get or maybe like the surfer dude from uh samurai jack when he becomes a a weird surfer dude. In a, but he doesn't feel like a surfer or 80s guy. He just sounds like, like a guy. Yeah, he just sounds like a guy in my head. Well, we're given so little to work with off the bat. We just yeah. know he's an 80s guy. Um, and we see him. He, and that he has he bonitis. kills enemy sprites, uh, these little bogeys. Uh, yeah, and these he, are the Goombas. And he goes to fight the final boss, Gnarl, his brother, um, to rescue his babular girlfriend, Sheena. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see a couple of other little, you know, game elements things. So yeah, this is kind of the other parts of like, we're going to be dealing with rad for the entire thing. And so they're kind of describing to him and to us because he's learning it as well, his own internal programmed physics and, and, and inertia and, you know, how his hitbox works and everything like that. Cause we're going to be, we need to be well versed in how rad like behaves like, uh, um quantitatively yeah well we also get an understanding of his personality and how it's shaped by his game so when the game is off he goes into this purgatory like void and it just shows like he prefers action to waiting which is a great trait in an action hero much less you know later when he becomes a civilian right yeah it, it, which is so great and we'll get there in a second um to mention a couple of things that we're going to need to work with um, whenever Rad gets hit by anything, he's got old platform detect like hit detection. Everything hits him for exactly one thing of life. He's got four kind of health things. They spelled his out name. by it's just spelled out by his name R A D D. And every time something hits him, it takes away one letter until it takes away all the letters, and then he dies. Yeah. Um, and of course, he has multiple lives because he's still in a game. There's a couple other things that are kind of paid attention to. Um, that bogies are. Uh, well, I guess that's it's not actually they, up they, right they now. They have the touch of death, so that's how Rad gets hurt. The um, idea is that bogies aren't with... actually e- evil; they just walk in programmed lines and yeah. happen to be hazards. And he can destroy these things by firing off Rads, which are these energy bolts, or charging up to do um, two hundred and fifty-five damage with a Mega Rad. <laughs> yeah, and like anybody who's like a uh, eight-bit savvy knows that that's just you know that's the, the highest max, number you get. That's the highest number you get in eight bits. <laughs> And they're just like, why, why two fifty five? And he's like, I don't know, because <laughs> of course he doesn't. And that's the great kind of joke where you're like, okay, they're hand waving it, but no, this is a vital plot point yeah, for later. This comes back. <laughs> this comes back so hard. Like, so the plot so, of this whole thing depends on it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so they, uh, Rad eventually gets through his little game, and he encounters uh, Narl, who is his older brother, in this kind of like Luke, I am your father, idiot way. And the great thing about Narl is that he is exactly the same sprite as Rad, but color shifted, like a different, like just a palette swap, and then also has a tie. <laughs> like maybe a little bit taller. It's the same thing. Yeah, and that is the kind of move you would expect from a game of this vintage. <laughs> yeah, like why would they do anything else? And uh, he's got his his thing is like, oh, gnarly man, you've got like corporate responsibility. So he's in charge of like this business. They fight in I, an office. 
I never, I never made the connection that Gnarl is like the first part of Gnarly. Yeah, and Bogey is like bogus. And apparently, oh, yeah. the reason he called uh, the female love interest Sheena is just like, man, I don't know. <laughs> Sounds shiny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> that makes enough sense. Um, um, it, we get a we get a degree of understanding for Sheena and Gnarl's personality. Gnarl's going to be a reoccurring character. Um, Narl's job is to sit there and he, uh, just wants to convince Rad to do some accounting. <laughs> Rad is, manages to fight it off. Uh, I guess Sheena says like pound the buttons or something. Yeah. Mash the buttons, which is one of those game logic things that doesn't come up later. One of the few instances. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think he was trying to cover his bases here. Right. So, yeah, I've, I've been, um, I've been doing a little bit of writing recently, like uh, for this fantasy thing that I'm writing. And what I've started doing is just I introduce a bunch of proper nouns and then use some of them. (laughs) (laughs) And like I keep telling myself I'm going to go back and like redact all the weird proper nouns to just be more generic so that they don't get in the way. But I'm not going to do that. Ben, you just described how evolution works. (laughs) Just like, yeah, let's add another I. That'll probably be fine. (laughs) What? You're prone prone to infection? Uh oh. Um, but yeah, Narl and Sheena have, um, different perspectives once they're very soon, they're all going to be removed from the game. Um, Narl, we discover has this nostalgia for the game. He really enjoyed his lot in life and he enjoys following his programming. Whereas Sheena as an NPC who can't really move or do anything, she jumps at the chance to go beyond what she was originally designed for. Right. Um, yeah. And and that comes that 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 gets textured a lot in later scenes, but because we're gonna go to those later scenes, let's just keep moving. Yeah. So Rad eventually beats Narl, uh, wins over Sheena. We are denied a scene of them kissing for the first of many times. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, the game so, fades to black. Right. And then Rad goes into this like this void, which is something that continues to happen throughout the game, and it's basically his version of introspecting. Yeah, because the players turned off the system, and, you know, it's like Wreck-It Ralph. What happens to them when they're not in the game? Except yeah. instead of this, like, big metropolis party, he's just nowhere. Yeah. Right, and and so the idea that he's in this kind of purgatory when he's not in the game made him think of it like sort of a test. Because he doesn't understand what he's in, right? Right. He he has no conception this of his all genesis. all the world he's ever known. Exactly. So, like, what what is there besides this? Nothing? Okay. Um, I guess... You know, we'll just wait for the player to come back. And so the player does come back, and they play the game a few more times. And he's getting, and it gets he's getting better. Time. He's he's learning. He's improving. They use the idea of a cutscene. Sheena's like, well, I didn't kiss you the first time, and this is a scripted thing, so I'm not going to kiss you any of the times. And he's like, well, fuck. <laughs> right. And he's accepting of game mechanics and techno babble. Um, of course. So he's very adaptable, which is a nice contrast to in a little bit where he... He is very not. Right now, he's still being controlled by the player. Yes. Um, what I like about this first chapter and a little bit of the next one is it serves as the tutorial level of a video game. What do you mean? Uh, it introduces all the relevant concepts. Um, oh, yeah, like and things just like things to watch out for, like how does this character react to damage or what is the, you know, what is the reason yeah. that they're doing what they're doing? It it's something in their programming. It tells you what you need to know going forward, but doesn't let on really anything else that's to come. Yeah. 
and it doesn't actually happen in kind of the first half for 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 most of the there's a long the rising action about. to this to this story mm-hmm. but but this is all kind of like vital stuff to just get us familiar with the idea of the fact that we're going to be kind of switching realities we're we're, we're not <laughs> yeah you, you need be, a lot of exposition for that we're not yeah we're not going to be we're not going to be parked in this game very very shortly so uh maybe we should get to that yeah um so the next time that the game boots up Rad stands there waiting to be controlled until uh, Bogey, one of those little enemy sprites, comes by and tells him, hey, you can move on your own. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and he, like, tries it out and is amazed. <laughs> like, um, I can do something that I wasn't programmed to do. Like, it, he doesn't comprehend what that means, really. He's I mean, kind of uncomfortable with it. Yeah, like, I've always done this thing and it's worked out before. Why would I do anything maybe, else? Maybe I should just wait for the player. And Exactly. Like, Bogey is this very nice sarcastic realist who's like dude player's not coming back yeah bogey's like this uh he's sort of like a more sarcastic beast boy i thought like i i got that sense of him and Um, he's he's an interesting character in his own right because as we're kind of developing this fighting our own programming thing he becomes a main character like he get used to this like kind of goomba sidekick mechanically speaking he is an enemy sprite who has the touch of death so he does one damage to other people but he also dies in one hit um He's useless, but that just means he's much more open to entering a society that accepts him. And so mm-hmm. he's better at getting along in, quote unquote, the real world than Rad is. And he also serves as this uh, foil of characters who don't want to have to go along with their programming. Right. And, and what's really cool is later on, he's kind of forced to in like one of the greatest moments ever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and he like it comes to terms with it. But uh, we, we'll get a little bit farther for that uh, later on. <laughs> I love right how now, the most mature character in this whole thing is like this little plant guy. <laughs> yeah. It, it's sort of like Paper Mario. You just have like little like a version of one of the guys that you constantly beat up over your shoulder being like, <sighs> I guess I'm helping you out. Let me tell you how it works around here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so over there is the great knowledge tree. You go and ask it questions. And so we're introduced to this other character, Captain QB, which stands for quarterback. Yeah, so like... This, this is weird. This like Lego man slides in from another dimension, goes, whoa. <laughs> like, yeah, he's clearly, like, hey, buddy. He's clearly from a different game. He Welcome is, to the macro plot, friends. <laughs> he looks like a football player with a cape. Yeah, he's got he's freeze so... powers, and he he's like a big goofus. <laughs> yeah, they, they do not like. He's this is not a an... serious character. <laughs> yeah, this just enormous like colorful twat drops out of the sky and is like, "I'm gonna rescue you." Oh, he's so good. Like what? Yeah, so he he says, "I'm here to rescue you from the game. It's been activated by the moderators, which is this uh, government of game characters, and they." retrieve sprites from video game roms at the cost of destroying it and therefore the game world so rad's like you're destroying my world and captain qb is like you're welcome yeah because <laughs> he yeah because he doesn't understand what yeah, he, he, he doesn't he comprehend other people's emotions that, imagine being taken away from a world where not only is it your like heaven but every single other person there hates being there. Yeah, that's got to be weird. <laughs> that is weird. Well, I mean, Rad's an infant in all you know practical. No, regards. it's not his fault. Like, so like he probably just hasn't like thought of other people's feelings up to this point. They like, everything that didn't he's matter. encountered is something that has killed him, or is just you know it's a non person. 
Yeah. For the most part. Um, yeah, so uh, curiously, Rad has the... I mean, I guess not curiously. He has the biggest problem going... The idea of going outside of his own programming. QB says, you don't have a choice. Freezes him. Uh, and they kind of get indoctrinated <laughs> Why does into a quarterback have freeze map? powers, Ben? <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, they bring him back to the moderator uh, headquarters in Hopetown, a video game server. Yeah, which is... Uh, this this macro like this this sort of internet world how do you feel about it it took a few read-throughs to make it make full sense to me um yeah sometimes it does feel like they're just throwing words in it's like the net the servers it's whatever you want them to be right and uh, it uh, has an internal logic but it's not really that forthright about it because you don't want that much exposition this early yeah, and we're not really so concerned about the world as what it brings out in the people. So we just rely on our narrators. Yeah, we're like, oh, fish out of water story. Got it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I think it's here that we get the first fourth wall sequence, which we should probably just talk about one of them. <laughs> okay. And just like, so the, he, Dan does things every so often. Like every so often he doesn't like have more story ready or he just wants to do this like little one-off comic thing that he decided upon. He uses the characters from in the story, but they break the fourth wall very like fragrant, fra- flagrantly and uh, just kind of do whatever they want. They do like uh, they do an anime battle. This is where Dan has some flagrant criticism of the media industry, uh, particularly anime. Yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh got got hit a couple times. Mm-hmm. And he does like a Dragon Ball Z ripoff, and it becomes less bearable later on when it's less of a joke comic and more of a story comic, and I didn't want that interrupted, but the quality of it is, you know, it varies pretty wildly. It, it's not that big of a deal right now. Yeah. I find it kind of tiresome, and I think that a lot of the fans do as well. It was a low point. I didn't mind it because it's like, eh, five comics out of however many. Yeah, um, and we're also not that, like, uh, we're also not that married to the plot yet, so it doesn't really break flow because we haven't really had much of a flow. Yeah, yeah. The, it doesn't, it, doesn't break the pacing. This is like the clown and Hamlet sort of thing. Or sure. Mac- or Macbeth. <laughs> you know, like, in the fifth act where... I, I had an English teacher like explain a Shakespeare plot to me once and was like, okay, first act, the action is rising, more tension, second act, more tension. And then he's just like, okay, right before the, the biggest part of tension in the play, we're going to have a couple knock-knock jokes from a clown. It's so weird. <laughs> I, I didn't understand it then and I don't understand it now. Like, it's just like one of those era things. Like if you're going to put it on the, like uh, if you're going to put on a performance, you have to entertain the whole crowd and this is how you do it. Yeah. I if guess. you're going to have a Sprite comics in the early 2000s, you need to have yeah, a couple of schlocky humor. jokes yeah. aimed at Dragon Ball Z. Hey, what if CSI took place in a, in a video game universe? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah. it's, it's pretty silly. Yeah. Um, but um, anyway, getting back to the plot, uh, Rad yes. has to go find a job. So yeah, this and I think this is where Rad and Bogey kind of start trying to figure out where they can exist in this world, and they meet up with this uh, character that comes back a few times later on, known as Itty Bitty. Yeah, he runs a diner. Um, he's supposed to just be this sort of one-off NPC, but like most one-off characters early on, he comes back in a big way later. Yeah, he looks great, by the way. He's got, like, he's this black guy with dreads and, like, this paunch and, I think, sunglasses? Yeah, yeah. And the best thing about him, which we don't learn for a little bit, is he's shown as just, like, him, like, he's at a counter, so you only see him from the waist up. 
But then later we see after he leaves the counter, he gets like out from behind the counter, he exists waist up. They never bother yeah. programming the bottom half of him. And like everything else that they don't explain in this, they play with that as well. Someone tries to put handcuffs on him and they just fall off because like he puts his hands down and then there's nothing for the handcuffs to go around. Yeah. And it's so cool. I love how consistent the whole a character, a character's programming is unique to them. Like they're not like us. They don't need organs. They don't need to even be fully connected to their limbs. Mm-hmm. It just matters how they were programmed. Yeah, yeah. And, and learning those individual characteristics is like one of the best parts of this. It's yeah. like figuring out how they, how their code defines what they do. Right. Um, so um, they run into Sheena at the diner. And yep. she has joined the moderators, which Rad is pretty pissed at. He does not like the fact that they kind of destroyed his, his world. Yeah, he's he's a little upset about it. Um, Sheena, of course, her invulnerability makes her a good candidate for the moderators, whom kind of punch holes into games to rescue the sprites from inside and then run away before yeah. the game collapses. She also has um, a perspective that helps the moderators, which is that a lot of sprites in games don't enjoy their games Mm -hmm. they're they're cannon fodder yeah and and bogey empathizes with that i also don't think that we mentioned that china is invulnerable um if it needs explanation she doesn't have a life meter she's not programmed to take hits so she can't be damaged like she can't be affected by rad's attacks or anyone's attacks right it's not the sort of thing you would think about right but when you do think about it it becomes kind of obvious like you don't blow open walls unless they're programmed to take damage Right. So an NPC who only shows up during cutscenes actually is immortal in this in this universe. Yeah. Um, yeah. See, seeing that Sheena has rejoined society, they attempt to do likewise. Bogey, because he is, you know, he's never really had skills of any sort. He doesn't really have a motivation to do much of anything. Um, so he asks what place there is in society for him, and he joins a sprite. Like a like a minor enemy sprite colony, like uh, like preserve, <laughs> like almost a zoo. Yeah, and they just kind of walk back and forth. And after a while, he's like, "This, this is just like the game. I don't like this." Yeah, he finds a job at the power plant, running like moving on a treadmill. Right, and then I want to talk about that in the same breath as we talk about Rad's new job, <laughs> which Rad... is as a chat room avatar, <laughs> which is an idea I wish I had. <laughs> um. And then what's really cool here is he, so he gets paid to, to become a chat room avatar. Pixar, uh, chat room avatars have emotions now. Get on it. Yeah, come on. And, and he's so with, thrilled to work with the humans because they're like, they are like these Greek gods. Yeah. So first his world was not what he thought it was. Now his creators are not what he thought, it, what they, what he thought they <laughs> yeah. were. Tur- turns out they're as bad as chat room users in the early 2000s. Yep. <laughs> and they're all swearing at each other. That and... pit of humanity. <laughs> Yep. So he's becoming delusioned with both his world and his gods quickly enough that both he and Bogey have to recontextualize who they are in this new society. Bogey realizes he doesn't like just being a walking block, like walking, talking thing. He wants to actually have some uh, individuality. And Rad kind of goes on this. Uh, he he kind of opts out. In what way? Well, he, he says, I can't deal with, you know, this nine to five. Right, and I, right. I can't fulfill my original programming. Let's go into another game. 
Yeah. Like the equivalent of trying to commit suicide almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we see that other characters can go into other games um, when we look at Sheena's job. Um, just a quick diversion here because this is mm-hmm. actually the first time we see that. Yeah. Um, they go into the game Stack'em, which is basically Tetris, uh, made in 1988 by Gargarin Software. Mm-hmm. And this is just, you know, a series of blocks line up and they coincidentally line up, causing them to combo and disappear. And Sheena thinks, oh, no, they're dead for real, because when you die outside of your game, you die for real. Yeah, it's, it's exactly like that, uh, that movie that I can't remember the name from. Um, but she thinks they're dead, but they just go back to the top of the screen. She realizes that they're enjoying their game, which is not a perspective she was particularly conducive to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she sees how callous Captain QB is. He's like, we still have to rescue them. They're because they're they open their the game, game is going to implode now that we you know kicked open the door because they opened it by like using a big drill. <laughs> it's so silly. <laughs> um, but Sheena like adopts the puzzle sprites, right? To find them a home and gives them to Doctor Amp, who is the chief scientist, and they they put mirrors around them to use them as a power source. Yeah, and this is all kind of minor stuff that nevertheless comes back a little bit later, but um, yeah. like it's it's not like that necessary. The things that you can take away from that scene are deaths don't work the same way in-game as out-of-game, which is kind of obvious, but it maybe needed a little bit of letterboxing. And then uh, also that Sheena is not, you know, she she's not necessarily the majority. Like, not everybody likes being removed forcibly from their you know home environments to re- to like join society on a larger level and also that sheena is picking up on this like fate theme and this morality struggle way earlier than anybody else of course because she's an npc who only talks like her skills are all whenever we see her she her idea is to talk to people so she's actually much more adaptable than everything else because she doesn't do she talks yeah very, very so she's believable. like a diplomat to mm-hmm. this world yeah and the the characters that she meets dr amp and his you know daughter jules who is a bee you know they're all which you don't worry about because video games yeah they're all following their programming you know they're not really father and daughter yeah they're just enjoying being the scientist and assistant that they were designed to be Mm -hmm. yeah And, and that's one of the rare examples of people who fit into the programming that they were given and don't ask questions because they don't need to which is a thing that happens like not everybody needs to go on like this critical self-reevaluation as they mature some people are like you know comfortable with who they are immediately and don't feel a need to change but like you said uh back to the main plot rad yes. rad wants to get into a game and right. he is approached by a shady man in a trench coat who's gonna sell him some code that lets him go get into other games yeah, the, we're still in lampshade mode for the comic, because uh, Rad asks, I shouldn't trust you, should I? And the guy says, probably not, but just go with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it, it, they haven't... Dan is still making fun of himself quite a bit at this point. Yeah, he doesn't need to fully explain things that are plot requirements. Like, Rad needs to make this, needs to accept this in the same way that early on in the game, you know, you're not making big decisions. You're just like, yeah, I'll go along with this. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he enters the new game, and this really awesome artifice thing is when we do a new comic, because there are only like four comic bits, and then we get to the title screen again for Kid Rad, it's a different game. <laughs> so it has a different title screen. Yeah. Which which is a thing that consistently happens as we enter different games. 
Yeah, and this one is Bunny and Chick Playland. Like, <laughs> Which Rad chose for rather obvious reasons. It's not actually dirty. Uh, it was yeah. made in 1991 by Soft Soft. <laughs> is it actually called Soft Soft? Yeah. All right. It's clearly Square Soft, but, yeah. you know, they're they're fluffy. Um, and he meets Elfman, another kind of hero in the same predicament who got in illegally and can't get out. And he, yeah. and he straight up says, you know, as was alluded to earlier... If you die in somebody else's game, you're dead for good. Yeah, the code doesn't work for you unless you're in your game. Like, when you die in your game, it's just, like, you're just running through programs. Like, it's a death animation. You're not actually there. You become intangible. You become invisible. But you're not actually deleted from the game. You just have these different toggles thrown on. But here, those toggles don't exist. And even that, though, isn't really revealed yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, One of my favorite jokes in the whole thing happens here, which is... Rad is kind of like, the game starts and Rad is not part of the game, so the player thinks that he's an enemy, and the main character, Benny the Bunny, who throws magic (laughs) eggs, eggs (laughs) is trying to kill Rad, and Rad's just running through the level trying to escape. One of my favorite jokes happens here, which is... He's like kind of thinking about his life and his would-be girlfriend and his friend Bogey. Who he'll miss when he dies. And then it like pans across to Benny the Bunny shooting this giant chick with magic eggs. (laughs) And it's just like kind of a silly scene that it like a beat panel happens and he's like um i kind of lost my train of thought (laughs) i i love the fact that we can't see the last panel throughout the entire comic strip because there are so many great fourth panel moments yeah (laughs) this is what this one's so good um so, uh, I mean, there's some there's some things that articulate about the particular skills of Rad. Rad does this awesome little backflip move while charging up to blast Benny just as he's about to die. Because he, like, has this idea, like, if I don't kill Benny the Bunny, I will die. So I can't rely on my p- player anymore. I'm going to take life into my own hands. And he moves and shoots all by himself. It's, it's even better because he's like... I'm I'm not pissed I'm going to die. I'm pissed I'm going to die to a player who's not all that good. If my player were here, yeah. this is what he would do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, like, still believes in his god, you know? Like, maybe not as an abstract, but, like, his god specifically, his player. Oh, yeah, he's acting like he's, like, a holy warrior, and he's like, no, it was within me all along. And he starts <laughs> yeah, or, to feel or, empowered again. It's a real turning point in this weird bunny and chick playland scenario. <laughs> At the same time, he's, like... He, he's clinging to his past, right? Mm-hmm. He, he seems almost like like he, he, the idea that his player abandoned him. He seems like this kind of orphan like the, or this unwanted son who's been who's been abandoned. But he has this idea like, what if I can just be skillful enough? Maybe my father will have me again. And this is like this is so true to like characters and well-developed characters where they will continue to believe, you know, things that kind of aren't true anymore. They'll still do what they need to do to survive, but as long as they can hold on to what they once believed, they still will. Yeah, and uh, fortunately enough, he never feels the need to act absolutely reject his player, um, but he does reject kind of the notion of humans being all-powerful and benevolent creators. He finds this like balancing act between, you know, in that fate theme, the programming theme, and he's kind of... He is the best character at navigating that dichotomy, and that's kind of what makes him great. Mm -hmm. By the way, I just realized that this is probably really unlistenable podcasting. So (laughs) if anyone's listening up to this point, I kind of apologize. (laughs) Like, this is pretty, this is probably a really, 
I don't know. This has got to be pretty uninteresting if you don't know what, exactly what we're talking about. And if you do know what we're talking about, it's probably just you're probably like, yeah, this was good when I was reading it, but these guys have to give it a rest. <laughs> um but again this is experimental so we're just gonna keep on keeping on yeah um yeah just if you don't like it skip it what's wrong with you (laughs) yeah well we don't do this for you're not paying us (laughs) uh rad gets out yeah so Elfman says like this dumb luck is getting this kid into and out of every situation because he He remembers that he still has his chat room avatar job and gets teleported (laughs) out yep um and immediately attempts to get revenge on the guy who sold him the bad code because he's violent through and through yeah um and he threatens he actually is like still kind of committed to this idea of escapism and threatens the guy who sold him the code to give him a better code to get him into his uh, into a better game the the sequel with the one with all the girls (laughs) the one where the girls actually are not just you know chickens and bunnies like it's actually (laughs) playboy models um and when he absorbs the code, he glitches. Yeah, he becomes corrupted. The guy who sold him the code is like, uh, nobody. I don't get my code for free. No one gives it up willingly. I get it from schmucks like you who are too dumb to realize that I'm taking advantage of them. Yeah. And, and there's, a, there's a visual grammar here where the glitching shows a chunk of rad, like a like a square chunk missing. Yeah, he and goes all re- missing number. Yeah, it's replaced with a number or like a, a, a weird No texture. missing number from like Pokemon. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um. And the fact that sprites can glitch comes back way later. It's it's pretty cool, um, and like it, it's also uh, he also his like speech becomes all like capital letter, lowercase letter, letter mm-hmm. like misspelling kind of like glitchy text. Like it's it's and, articulated in that way as well. And um, we Rad kind of introspects blacks. again. He goes yeah, into he this blacks void, out. and we learn like okay, the void is shorthand for rad is learning something or like mm-hmm. something really bad is happening and like it's, you it's can't trust that everything zone. will turn out okay when he goes to the void yeah it's his philosophy zone act one <laughs> um but eventually it's revealed that he was actually saved at the last moment from bogey who you know just touched death the guy who yeah. was uh, gonna absorb his code and brought him brought him to the moderators who are going to arrest him <laughs> and imprison him inside of a spreadsheet yeah where he has to be um, clippy yeah so, so the, this the is program is my grow soft office assistant yeah this is pretty funny like i just yeah you know Would you like Dan to say is, your favorite line <laughs> oh i love this line yeah we're uh he's like and you know my 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 community service as i'm being um you know cooped up in here in this prison is to become this office assistant who can ask you to do things like adjust your margins <laughs> to save your file or kiss my ass <laughs> just, <laughs> like just as like this bullet point list that he offers the person using the microsoft spreadsheet which is kind of a funny it's like i don't understand why i keep getting booted back to my prison cell <laughs> yeah <laughs> isn't this what they want what should i do uh hold down alt and press f4 <laughs> that should do it <laughs> so so uh yeah and and this is the point at which we we veer away from rad kind of being this uh this this ill-suited aspect to the society that he's been indoctrinated into because he's been forced to leave his um his own game and we get a view of the macro plot yeah because sheena although she enjoys her work as a moderator she has a nightmare about leaving sprites behind and realizing that they don't all want to leave and mm-hmm. she 
you know, hands in a letter of resignation. But as she does, she overhears uh, Captain Quarterback and someone we haven't seen at all before, which which is great. We're introduced to our principal antagonist, Crystal. Yeah, Crystal, who's like this kind of fairy creature um, from an RPG game, and she's just an enemy sprite. So and she's she she gets upset about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, she she's the far extreme of not wanting to follow program because she was a nobody. Right. So she and also this other character kind of relate to being freed from their their game prison in different ways. She's kind of extremely egomaniacal and uses her newfound power and uh and um independence in a bid to gain more power like she has ambition right yeah and so we learn that she has visited the seer a powerful program that knows everything to find out how to gain power how to be immortal and all that it said is you need to make sure that the mods are powerful and you need to take out rad yeah which is super weird because we never got the conception that rad was all that important and we sheena would be the important one in this society so it's super weird to see that like this transcendental being is like you gotta kill jeff from like (laughs) like the guy who works at the sub shop like i know he's really getting in my grill (laughs) he seems unimportant right now but just you wait yeah like he trips at a critical time so the, the trick with the seer, by the way, is that he will answer any question you ask, but it will cost you your life. Yeah. And, and I love that all of this happens off screen and that this is the first time that we meet Crystal yeah. because it really feels like we're jumping in in the middle of something already in progress. I had to go mm-hmm. back. The first time I read it, I'm like, wait, who is this? This is, <laughs> this is where it happens. Yeah. Did we and she's something? trying to game the system by asking how to become immortal so that she can get around the death curse. Um, and we get a really out of character moral <laughs> dilemma from Captain Quarterback about yeah. if it's right to kill Rad, if it saves everyone else and makes everything yeah. more peaceful. And it's so yeah. overdramatic. Because, when did he have thoughts? And this is the <laughs> only even... time he doesn't get more later. I, and again, I just love it whenever he shows up because he's, his sprite is so goofy and he's got like this scream face, which is just super overblown. Yeah, he's he's not cool. No, not at all. He's just lovable. Yeah, he is. He, he's a real he's a real dingus, but he agrees to have Rad killed while in prison. So and he hires a hitman. Well, he tells his underlings to hire a hitman, and they're like, "How it, hard is it to kill a guy in prison? Let's just <laughs> hire a cheap one and split the profits." I love that concept. I love just like that line. Yeah, <laughs> how hard can it be to off a guy in prison? Discount ninja Kobayashi. Yeah. <laughs> discount ninja a really interesting character that probably shows up too much given how unimportant he technically is but i like him i like him a lot and he says a lot about that whole uh he he's an interesting uh variant of the whole going beyond your programming thing in that he has this weird mental block that he can't overcome for a long time he has like this terrible depth perception right he comes from from a 2d game yeah, and we don't learn this for a long time, but his, his 2D game made it such that he doesn't really understand how to attack in three dimensions. So he loses to Rad really pathetically. <laughs> yeah, um, well, the thing that I like about him is he is trying to gain this sort of like evil video game character respectability, trying to kill Rad with this wily esque like machine. Yeah, yeah, he's like he's like elaborate a... video game trap. <laughs> He's like, what if, what if one of the mafia members wanted to be the Joker? Like, he has delusions of grandeur because of how, like, 
how unimportant and unremarkable his upbringing yeah. is. He kind of has this past shame that he's trying to erase by conducting this evil scheme. It's like, but I he's got, just I gotta too be, shit I gotta be legit. Real villains have moving platforms and a flashing <laughs> flashing yeah. light that's protecting something. Yeah, he's like Dr. Draken. Like, it, it's all for the ego. I, there are some great comics with these punchlines. Um, with Kobayashi just weakly defending how video gamey it all is and Rad pointing yeah. out like how stupid are you to behold like to so closely behold such customs yeah exactly like why do you even have these platforms otherwise I'd never be able to reach the bulb I wouldn't be able to win it's <laughs> just like uh they balance the chains yeah okay whatever <laughs> and, and when he destroys the machine he's like Next time I'll have two flashing lights and moving platforms. Yeah, the idea of just like, uh, like okay, we're, he's setting up a sequel boss already. He He's firmly implanted with the idea of being this character. This is one of my favorite lines as well. Um, you brought a boss battle into a spreadsheet program? Have you flipped? <laughs> yeah, and it's like very self-aware because that's how Dan put up all of the HTML file <laughs> things. And it looks good. This reminds me of Sigma. Yeah, this is no, it's totally Mega Man boss, which is what he's going for. It looks it looks very good. And then he punches him in the nuts and leaves. <laughs> Just wanders off, really. And yeah, this is so another Rat, comedic part yeah. where he's like, oh, I gotta get out of here. I really need a transport. Oh, like that one. And the ship that comes out of nowhere is like, freeze, criminal. So yeah, like, on the megaphone, he's like, okay, maybe I'll wait for the next one. <laughs> Perhaps another one. So Rad is picked up by people on the ship who it's revealed... Wow, it's um, Machina and Bogey and Dr. Amp and Julie, and they're on the run from the mods who have become power-hungry. So much happened off-screen. Yeah. You get the sense that Rad was trapped in prison. No, here's the great thing. They focus on Rad, who's in prison, (laughs) and having a hit taken out on him while all the main plot is happening because he's the main character. It's a great way to, like, set up reveals to happen later. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what you need to know. Exactly. Um, and what we know is that the mods have taken over, they become power hungry under Crystal's tutelage, and they are now on a hunt to kill Rad, because Crystal knows that he's a threat. Yeah. So And Rad's after hero a, mentality yeah. is like, we need to take them down. Yeah, like, hold, how hard can it be? Hold on, hero, they've got a bunch of boss monsters, high hit points, high attack, you know. And- Rad's fucking hero mentality is just like, well, okay, but the game is designed such that I can win it yeah, as long keeps, as I fight them. <laughs> it's it's so neat because sometimes he really wants to follow his programming and he also can make fun of other people for doing that, like with Kobayashi. So yeah. we see that he is... He's got, this, he's got this genre blindness only for his own circumstance. Yeah, he's finding that balance, but he's not even super aware of it. And he, yeah, and, it, and he corrects that decision later on, but for right now, he's all very like, well, I'm the hero. This is what I should be doing. And Sheena's like, "You, I'm not the hero. This can't be what you're doing. And Bogey's like, we just need to run because that's what that's the only way that I survive. Yeah. Um, but after a brief reunion, it's shown that Kobayashi, he, like, he, I feel like Bond he shows villain up that kind he of is. too immediately. Like, he just yeah. left. Yeah, I know. I forgot that it was this soon. He shows up like, okay, round two. <laughs> Bet you won't th- beat me this time. And he immediately wants a rematch. And they go to fight him. They're <laughs> like, well, nothing better to do. Like a plot, like in a video game, weird plot ha- thing happens. You're like, eh, I guess I go to point X now. Mm-hmm. And um, some some game tropes are used here and then also abused. Yes. So 
It's been shown that he's a terrible shot, but he has this new weapon, something that Amp designed because he's just a mad crackpot stew pickles in his lab. He made this auto-targeting gun. <laughs> That's the best <laughs> mad scientist like reference you could come up with. <laughs> Do you not see him that way? No, that totally makes sense. Yeah, I always wanted to be kind of stew pickles and create like cameras that came out of my door to see who's at the door so I don't have to get up if it's just a postman. Sounds great. I don't remember that episode of Rugrats. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, so um, just to just kind of replay the fight quickly, Kobayashi has this auto-targeting gun, so he can fight Rad, and Rad tries to fight back, but Kobayashi's actually pretty fast. And Rad has no other verb set other than to run and shoot, and he can't do either of them effectively, so he has no outs. Yeah, he uses Sheena as a human shield. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then uses, uses her as a club. <laughs> yeah, to to just beat up Kobayashi with her like invulnerable form, and the, like the two things that happen here, which are kind of like nice inversions. He's starting to recognize the way that you can kind of cheat since you're not in uh-huh. a game. You don't have to obey specific rules. You don't have to hit him with an attack like a rad beam. You can hit him with this other thing that will still hurt him because that's just the way like general internet physics works i guess oh okay yeah i didn't catch that this was teaching the reader that because i found this section kind of unnecessary like i I feel like it didn't contribute to anything but that that kind of makes sense yeah there there wasn't much here that was all that that uh that novel it was just I, i that was the only thing that i took away from it but it did seem like not enough yeah um but yeah and and that that um, I guess that's pretty much it um, with, with the Kobayashi fight. I think they drop a little hint about Kobayashi's game, which is they say that most sprites don't just get knocked out or, or they don't get knocked out. They just get killed. Um, so why didn't Kobayashi die when he was beaten? Right. So and, and like it's a little bit like when we see a sprite and they are killed or hurt, they have this like routine, like they'll either like evaporate into smoke or they'll re- restart at the level or something. Kobayashi's not disappearing. So it's like, where could he have come from? He's not an enemy character because an enemy character would have blown up or something. Uh-huh. No, yeah, I see that. Yeah. And and this is, again, one of the little hints that Dan drops that might be used later and might not. And it is. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, We get a couple of strips uh, where they just kind of explain like, Okay, Amp used those puzzle sprites from earlier to power the ship, which he called. Which is the, weird because, like, score. it's there's that that kind of bothered me actually. Why? Like the idea well, because these puzzle sprites are from a game, and they're generating power outside of the game, and there it comes back later with a little bit of another thing. It seems like this kind of breaks the rules a little bit. Yeah. Like, how can you create power from nothing? I guess it like it's infinite power yeah for no cost which doesn't make sense because you're still in the computer after all and it gets even more egregious down the line um but i mean it's a minor detail yeah and being generous you can just be like well you are reading a video game comic just go along with the internal logic which you do yeah it just kind of irked me um but seeing how vulnerable they are to attack sheena's like okay maybe we do need to go on the offensive against the mods and they say okay if it worked for her it works for us. Let's go find the seer. Right. And Sheena's like, well, I'm invulnerable, so it can't kill me. Um, but unfortunately, they all get zapped into the seer's lair yeah, accidentally. Yeah, rad and bogey as well. And they start freaking out with one of my favorite like little animation details. Um, 
the uh the, the character models for both rad and bogey kind of like do variations on their like hurt animations yeah. <laughs> and it makes them look like they're kind of freaking out pretty bad like bogey is just like really wide-eyed and like going side to side and rad is like flailing his arms they're like oh we're gonna die yeah it's like pretty effective for conveying that emotion yeah this is still in the part of the comic where the characters will move in sort of repeated motions but yeah, the backgrounds are still pretty loops. static Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot more motion later on um, but yeah. we see in the Seer's realm we, we meet the oracle itself it's a Kirby boss-esque gray eyeball amidst a background of infinite number of smaller eyeballs so this all looks really awesome <laughs> like this looks exactly place, the way it's supposed to <laughs> like just just outside of it like if you look at the Seer's palace it looks like a final boss level in some final fantasy thing like it's this weird like nether castle in a void you open up the door and there's culex yeah exactly it's it, it looks exactly like that um or like um or like the final level from earthbound where it just gets like super weird and like cosmic yeah out of nowhere like this is an other entity this doesn't belong in their you know world of jumping on goombas or you know blasting the boss this is like <laughs> this is like something of very large significance right and then we get we get a lot of exposition. Yeah. There's a there's another little animation detail which is super weird and very other. The little eyes that um the seer uses as kind of his like uh his eyes in the skies so, yeah, so probes. to speak. Yeah, which uh the seer is like uh, well we're going to get it in a second so I'll let it for then but uh the little eyes come down and then merge into this big old eye. Um it's just and that that's the thing that the seer is using as an avatar of sorts and um that that's just like this is such an alien presence right and i like that they show how the eyes merge because it's it's telling you like this shape is for your benefit human yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> it gives you in, inclination into what the seer is uh which is then explained so bogey asks what it is mm-hmm. and it says it was the cool ragnarok or cr virus um, yeah. which was supposed to spread throughout the world and destroy everything in an event we know as Y2K. <laughs> Y2K is a plot point in this guy. It's so great. It's, kind of like, it's like, hey, let's have a game where Space Jam is canonical. Like, yes, I, Y2K was such a big deal at the time, and it has been referenced so little since then. <laughs> yeah, I, it was just entirely forgotten about. It's really cool, though, because... Uh, um. Because like it, the, it has an in-game explanation for why that wasn't a big deal. Is that the seer, you know, the 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 cool Ragnarok virus gained sentience and fought its programming. Yeah, it still felt the need, so it still wants to destroy humanity. But it's not it, the reason we we didn't get Y two K is because something bigger's coming. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. What do you mean? Well, uh, but the seer even at this point is saying like. I still want to follow my programming. I still want to know everything, and I'm still a virus. Still want to spread. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a little bit of foreshadowing there, um, but you know he, he he's interested. not a good character, and that much is clear. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's he is an effective At like seer, like yeah, he, he's just kind of this this entity. He's he's like this cosmic entity. He's like the background, like yeah. he's. Uh, He's a fortune teller or, you know, whatever else he's like. Um, he's unknowable in some ways. Yeah, he, he's he's just Lovecraftian to some degree. Like, we don't really understand him, but he is what is giving us the rest of the plot. We just know him as this thing that exists throughout the entire internet and knows, quote unquote, all. And he reveals that 
you know, asking them a question doesn't actually kill you because they were kind of freaking out about that. Yeah, it's just Sheena that. Asks. Yeah, it's just that when people with ambition, such that they want to go see the seer, their ambitions are pretty greedy. And their greed often leads them to dying. So it's like this self-fulfilling prophecy type of thing. And it's great because, you know, if they're asking for help with something hard relating to their quest, they're going to die in an ironic way. Yep. <laughs> so it's just like th that idea of like this, uh, this, this idea of this lore that builds on itself by virtue of it existing is very cool. Yeah, not quite fate. I love that. Yeah, not quite fate. Exactly. That's a great way to put it. Um. And Rad asks the final question because the seer reveals like, oh, you're only allowed to ask one question and Boki and Sheena kind of wasted theirs. He says, yeah, <laughs> how do we... Again, just like accepting rules that they don't understand. Yes. Like, why exactly can they only ask one question? Like, it's never explained. It's just like, those are the rules. I am told. mysterious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it was very mysterious. And Rad asks, well, how do I defeat the moderators? Um, right. And the seer like, has to They don't to know explain... what to do. They need... Like, Rad needs guidance. He needs a player to tell him what to do. And a plot so he structure. Just, yeah. He, he, he needs structure to his world. And so he just asks, what do I do to defeat my enemy? Like, <laughs> which is such a just such a hero protagonist sprite thing to ask. And he gets way more than he bargained for because the seer is like, uh, let me explain how it all works. Yeah. So um, before that, he the seer is like, whoa, this is a big question. I'm going to have to take a minute. They do this awesome little thing where he's processing it and his... Like, there's, like, a dial-up wave function thing that happens in his iris, <laughs> where you can almost hear, like, the DSL noises in the background, which would have been a really good place to put sound effects uh -huh. if they could. Yeah. Um, and they just couldn't. But, uh, yeah, he eventually comes back and is like, okay, so to beat the mods, like, they have you ridiculously outgunned. This is all of modern society wants to kill you, and they have so much firepower. Uh -huh. The way you kill them is by understanding that reality isn't what you think it is. Yes. Sprites have no inherent nature. They just follow their programming implicitly. So it affects their personalities, their abilities, but also things like gravity. Yeah. A sprite falls because it's been programmed to fall at this a certain rate. This is like rate. the best thing. Gravity doesn't this. exist. Even though it seems like it does, it, it pulls different sprites to different effects. It, this is matrixy, right? You you fall because yeah, you, you think you you're supposed to. Yeah, you fall down only because you believe that you will. Yeah, and and it's not even that you believe that you will. It's it's an inextricable part of who you are. Uh, it I, shows this awesome panel showing like three different guys, like a guy from. Uh, it's like Mario, Mega Man, and big fat uh, Russian dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they all fall at different rates when a bridge is dropped because they all have a different internal physics. Like, gravity isn't a thing that exists on the internet. It's all their internal programming. And this and means, the idea that there yeah. is no fundamental reality means that you can break the game. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, like, that's the thing that you do in, like, a game story is that you figure out how to break it. Uh-huh. Like, um, like, Earthworld, the, the comics Earthworld, it does this a lot, or, um giant in the playground to to a lesser degree like the order of the stick comics is that they all t or even um goblins it, like all of my role-playing web comics yeah they all have internal rules and it's only by like kind of gaming the system and munchkinning it up can the heroes actually overcome the in the the, the, the inherent limitations odds. It, it's actually also almost like a flatland it's like only by acknowledging this higher plane of existence can you work around what you thought were hard limitations 
uh, which is oh, it's so cool. Yeah, the true nature of our world is that it has no true nature. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, and it, it explains oh. everything that has been hinted at so far. Like Sheena's invulnerability, Kobayashi's poor aim. Everything is like put into context. Like we knew it was because of programming, but we didn't understand that there's some programming that's inherent and some that is you know, changeable. Like, this is the classic, there's things you can change, yeah. and there's things that you have to and, accept. Uh, there's actually, there was an FAQ on Dan's site, which asked, like, okay, can you go into more detail about this? And he said, you know, you can control certain things. Like, you can say, okay, I'm going to eat this much. I'm not going to eat anymore. Or you can have a personality shift. But you can't really stop yourself from getting goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. And, Even though that's uh, it, a biological effect that, you know, theoretically could be controlled. Right. Um, and, and it's it's also like a thing that a lot of the characters are having have been having trouble with up until this point. You know, Rad is ill fit in society because he has these limitations. Bogey was ill fit as a worker because he didn't have, you know, hands. Yeah. <laughs> like there's things that you can't change. And then there's your behavior, which you can change. Like Bogey doesn't have to be. You know, on this Sprite Preserve, he can work the power plant, and that actually, you know, would generate him some some money. Uh, Sheena doesn't have to be part of the moderators and talk things into submission, because if there's, it's not doing what she thinks there it is. So, like, she's still talking, she's still, you know, being a negotiator, but she's not doing it for the side that she thought was right. And this leads into how they can defeat the moderators, who have uh, recruited so many strong sprites. The heroes need to enlist their own team of sprites who can break the rules in creative different ways. And this sets up the entire second half of Kid Rad, in which they go out on this quest uh, and their attack on the mods, but in a delightfully different way than I had first anticipated the first time I read it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and it it's seems much by this point that organic. Rad isn't... It seems by this point that the main team isn't all that like well-suited to attacking anyone. Like, right. we've seen... Captain Quarterback frees Rad without even trying. We've seen um, Crystal, you know, being pretty powerful, and we've seen Sheena not really being able to do anything. Um, do to do anything. So, like, these are not really the characters who should be fighting a war, and it's it's weird that our it's weird and kind of endearing that they have to be the only thing that they can do is try to you know tilt the odds in their favor by finding someone powerful and convincing them to their side. Right. Um, and this leads into Rad kind of explicitly stating the other main theme here. Um, you know, do you have to follow your programming? Because the mods attack the Seer's base as, as uh, Rad and the others leave um, to try and keep anyone from learning how to beat them. And Rad shoots yeah. them off and has to, for the first time, kill another sprite outside of his game. Yeah, and he falls in, he falls into this melancholy, and he says, "I was made to move and shoot with the expectations that I would kill other sprites." Yeah, he he is a weapon. Am I free? And, Am I still just following my programming? Mm -hmm. If and yeah, 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 his verb set makes him a weapon, and for the majority of the story up until that point, he's been told, "Dude, you can't be a weapon anymore. You have to follow society." And he's like, "I can't do that." So he he opts out. And then he is, you know, kind of coming around to the idea that he doesn't have to be a weapon. And then it shifts again and he's like, 
I do have to be a weapon. Is it okay that I'm doing it for this end, even though like it feels like I'm giving in? Yeah, yeah. This idea of needing to follow your programming, but feeling guilty about not being able to avoid it. Like, yeah. It, there's like a lot of little facets like to it that are just hard to explain. Stronger. Yeah, or I wish I could do something else, but I can't. Yeah. Like this is all I have to get what I need. Like to do what I need to do, I have to, you know, betray this idea of individuality. I have to become what I was born to be, which is like, I love the idea of somebody who's like cursed to a fate who fights against it and like <laughs> also has to ride the line of, of, of giving into it. Like it's never clear. Power versus choice. It's it's never clear what side they land on. Like it, it's a combination, and it's a combination of every you know actual person in life. Yeah, like, I mean, this is a common theme in a lot of sort of heroes' journey tales. Is they have the opportunity to gain power and do what they need to do at the cost of their ideals. It's just it's expressed here as like it's not a personality ideal so much as it is like a core who i am like like turning off gravity mm -hmm. it's yeah. it's and not can i do a instead of b it's can i find an entirely new language yeah and uh yeah and, and i mean like this like you know, cool. of course it should be obvious by now but this is the point in the comic where things start getting comical and spoofy and start getting really dramatic and questy yeah um so uh, i guess a couple notes there's a small hint here um, his attacks so far have been shown to be pretty useless against things that aren't designed to take damage. So why is he able to blow up a ship, which is what he does? Right. Um, which is, you know, like that's a that's a small spoiler for a little bit farther down the road. Yeah. Should should we maybe do that spoiler right now, or is it too soon? No, no, no. That's that's way too soon. Hits, There's a few other things. So a lot of these plot points hit really nicely and organically as you're reading them. Um, that said, there are a lot of twists in the second half. Um, I, we, I would be comfortable in going a little bit further before we stop if you'd like to. Um, That's but, fine. But That's is, fine by this me. is a very natural place to stop as well. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with going further. There was one thing I wanted to go back on um, real quick before, sure. we, before we continue, which is that uh, the idea of the seer gaining sentience is not unique in this world. Like, everything is kind of gaining sentience because of this emergent um this this new opportunity like rad wouldn't i, I wouldn't really he, he has sentience but he doesn't really have um uh, it, it's not literal for him but everyone's going through an awakening yeah exactly and um th it's very steampunk right this idea of machines achieving sentience through like you know pure happenstance um th there's an example am does this in the game i have no mouth but i must and i must scream okay which is like uh, he, he's basically a uh, you know when John dies at the end yeah with uh, Korok yeah yeah or Korok or whatever it's basically him if he was a computer that controlled Ooh. the world oh yeah I remember yeah. reading I remember reading the story I didn't play the game but that's a haunting story yeah uh, it also happens to a machine cult in the novel Perdido Street Station which is super weird and you know recommended reading if anybody has. Um, it enjoys kind of an offbeat fantasy in a totally like novel world with kind of hard to navigate uh, socio-political systems. It, it's really good, but there's this one part where it's like you know a flywheel skipping is what leads to this intelligence. Like 
just a little bit farther than regular programming and we get actual thinking beings Mm -hmm. actual thinking robots Yeah, yeah yeah and these sprites are just you know tools for our amusement until they are put into this broader society where they can coalesce and exchange ideas and now that rat is doing that and he's grown up a little bit he is making choices he is finally a person and uh, if we're continuing on with the plot, uh, we see the mm. flip side of this because Bogey uh, has a nightmare about Rad kind of assimilating others and creating a world filled with moochers who, like, can't <laughs> hey, get along in a, the world. I thought that was a, just, a, just a dumb one-off No, joke. I love it because he's afraid that, you know, the world is going to be filled with these people who don't get it along well in the society they're trying to build but are still more highly valued than himself. Like, we get a oh, sense yeah. of Bogey as this... Like, he wants to physically be able to do more, and he's he's so limited by that internal programming, not so much the personality programming. And not to mention the fact that he actually feels physically threatened by Rad, because Rad is the person who has killed him a dozen, like, a countless times in the Yeah, game. yeah. Yeah. So I, I actually very... liked that a little bit, although it was that, very goofy. Yeah, that is, that I hadn't thought about that. That makes sense. Um, so... At this point, they're traveling to another server. Like, yes. They can't go back to Hopetown. It has been taken over by the mods. The mods have killed the Sears access point. And they make it out to another server where they start checking out games at random yeah, to try so, to find strong types to make their army. Yeah, so this is the server of Reset, largely populated by the invulnerable NPCs, and they spend some time violently engaging with them. I love the names of all these like internet things. Or, or, or all, like, the structures and, like, society and, like, buildings and things like that in yeah. this world. Like, the moderators are just, you know, like, moderators from a chat room are, like, the ones who, like, you know, swat your hand and tell you, no, play nice. Yeah, it's... Um, reset, you know, it's it's full of these NPCs who don't mind getting killed over and over because it doesn't do anything to them. Uh, even Amp's ship, which they're all traveling on, is called the High Score. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it works on a surface level and thematically if you want to delve a little bit deeper yeah um but rad and it's also just a funny joke uh rad goes to the bar and we meet itty bitty again um yeah yep. and this is actually when it's revealed that he only exists from the waist up so that again plays into the theme like oh yeah sprites are only programmed to have what they needed in the game yeah yeah now that we're looking for it we're wondering could this be exploited yeah, and in fact, it can. <laughs> and, but we're, we're we're looking for how like their programming defines what their ability. It's it's so cool because their programming doesn't define what they do, but it defines what they can do, uh-huh. right? So yeah. so what they do is still up to them, but some are going to be more helpful than others. Yeah, and and it's really unfortunate, like for <laughs> Bogies, like he he has all the heart and know how in the world, and he just doesn't have any abilities. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. And Amp you know, develops this new method that allows them to uh, go into the ROMs without destroying them, which saves us from, you know, oh, we broke open a ROM like to get somebody, but we don't have... Of, yeah, you know, conscripting forcibly an army. Yeah. Um, but it comes at a price in that they can't tell what it is ahead of time. So they don't mm-hmm. know, you know, oh, are we going to be poorly suited for this environment? Yeah. Despite and, that, Bogey uh, goes along with them. He insists on it. So we have our core group of Sheena, Rad, and Bogey, whom are going to... Fry, Leela, and Bender. Fry, Leela, and Bender, (laughs) who are going to... I mean, pretty much. Like, this is a... 
this is a this is a pretty tried and true you know you got the hero the dopey hero who means well you got the wisecracking sidekick who's not very helpful and you have the Competence. female of the group who is actually more effective in most situations than either one yeah tried and true mm-hmm. and uh and this they... was of course during the early days of futurama right <laughs> and they're going to you know look at a bunch of games to try to recruit an army and i think that might be a good stopping point okay yeah that sounds good all right cool Oof, yeah uh we're, we're like not even halfway but like we we we're, got through we're, like we're the, about halfway we're a good halfway i'm not sure that's true but uh i mean we we talked about a lot um about about like you know setting up the idea <laughs> we sure learned a lot today things. gang we sure learned a lot and uh and like all the good stuff's about to happen so i'm like almost tempted to keep going anyway but i, I think i need to take a break the the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak it's weak and spongy and bruised yeah. Um, um, well, I guess we won't be really, really doing the um, you know next time on the Cartoncast stuff uh, until next episode. Yeah. yeah, we're gonna do more of this. We're gonna pick up from where we left off. The gang has just visited the seer and know that they have to recruit a you know teens with attitude, you know people with special <laughs> abilities. Like it's very video game at this point. Like we have to round up a band of you know a, a ragtag band of misfits to fight the great evil. And the best part about this whole second act is. You at this point now, you as the reader feel like you know what's going to happen, and you're so wrong. Yeah, you have no clue what's going on. It, it, there's a lot of cool stuff that's about to happen, and I'm not going to spoil any of it. But yeah. we do have a lot of good times coming up. So um, I guess we should like you know, closing. We should close up shop. Um, yeah, and if so, um, we're going to continue next time with the second half. Kids rat, kid rad, and then after that, Thundercats. Um, I'm not going to do my full spiel of, you know, what, it, what any any closing comments or anything like that, but there is still time to comment if you want to on the second half of Kid Rad or as a whole. So if you have any comments, let us know. And and, um, and it's still there's still time to like read the rest of Kid Rad. If you were at all interested in what we said, um you can still go into the second half pretty pretty pure if you do that before listening to the next one. Yeah, the, I mean this is um you know, it's it's not it's not perfect. You know, I think we I think we you have mentioned a couple plot points that seemed unnecessary. I've mentioned how the lack of audio doesn't really do it any favors. It's not perfect, but it is like very creative and unique and brings out a lot of things that I love thinking about. And I appreciate so. I appreciate the world building and the momentum it it develops. So I love the second half. You know, you need that first half to really establish everything. The second half is where it shines, and that's where a lot of the best animation beats come in as well. So yeah, and, and a lot of the foreshadowing and like plot points and the idea that the that reality is what you make of it really oh, catches yeah. ton, really, ton really, of payoff. They, they, yeah, they, all the everything is everything is set up, and now all the payoffs get to happen. Um, yeah. yeah. So if you uh, would like to drop us a line, go to cartoncast.com or our Facebook page and leave a comment or suggest a show. You can go to iTunes to suggest to to give a rating or review. Um, and just more than anything else, tell your friends about the show. Mm-hmm. And we'll see you next time, player one. 